Blog Talk Radio. December 7th, 2016 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, and this is where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism uniquely upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peikoff, and I am glad to be back after missing Monday. Sorry about that. It was unavoidable, unfortunately. People can hear me. They're saying over here in the Blog Talk Radio chat room, that is good. Uh, By the way, you know, Facebook has this great little service that they do for you, and they give you memories each day. I mean, if you have something substantive from a year ago, whatever, they'll give you things from a year ago, two years ago, whatever. And today I got as a memory a post that I'd put up a year ago updating people about my health, recovering from my surgery and stuff. And I had forgotten how bad off I was in some of the weeks after the surgery, because I not only had the surgery, then I came down with this nasty virus, some kind of cold or whatever. So I'm recovering from this kidney surgery and I'm coughing and I'm worried that in the coughing, I'm destroying the healing of the surgery. I had forgotten that completely. So I'm very happy to not be anywhere close to that today. My health is in good shape. So yeah, glad to be here. Glad to be back everyone. Welcome over in the Blog Talk Radio chat room. People are commenting it's a little bit smaller amount of people in there. And, of course, I don't blame them because, after all, I flaked on Monday. So it's going to be a build-up again So you guys actually think I'm going to to be here on the Mondays and Wednesdays as planned. But I am back, so I'm glad to see you. If you go to the blog at don'tletitgo.com, you'll see the program notes that I have for today's show and also the title Is fake news a fake issue? That's the main topic that I want to discuss, but there's some other things over there as well. So as I said, go to don'tletitgo.com if you want to see all the stories and other things that I plan to talk about. If you want to call in, the number to do so is 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. And if you want to chime in, you'll press one, which is what Blog Talk tells you to let me know that you actually want to talk about some of the topics that we have. First thing that we do need to talk about, of course, it is the 75th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor by the Japanese. And I've just got a little commemoration piece that the New York Times gives us today. Yes, the New York Times has value. I'm going to talk about the New York Times having value during today's show. But one of the things is, yes, they still do this well. They say today is the 75th anniversary of Japan's surprise attack on Pearl Harbor. 
killed more than 2,400 Americans at a naval base in Hawaii and drew the United States into World War. And then the piece actually goes on to talk about the particular effects on New York, that suddenly New York was put into action as a Costco for the war, I think is the way that they put it. The Navy's Costco, the Army and Navy's Costco for the European theater is the way the article uh, goes on to put it. You know, the thing about Pearl Harbor is that Pearl Harbor was properly avenged. And I've had a number of my friends on Facebook talking about this today. We did. We we did that war. We did that war the way that it needed to be done in order to eliminate the threat with minimal loss of life and property and all of our interests on our side. We fought it the way a war should have been fought. And I don't know that we've ever done that since. And we've certainly not done what we needed to do after 9-11. So at least there's that. It, it was, it's horrible. And, you know, unfortunately, my grandfather died when I was pretty young of cancer, but apparently he was there, but not on any of the warships. He had been on a medical ship, but I could just imagine, you know, the, the horror that he had that day tending to the wounded at Pearl Harbor. I, I, I can only imagine it. So, we do commemorate. We don't forget it. And what we need to remember is that that was a war that we fought properly and that we actually eliminated the threat. And could we, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that under Trump, actually take that into account. It, it remains to be seen whether the people who he is appointing are going to be ones who are going to truly fight for America's self-interest in a proper way? Are they going to get rid of these crippling rules of engagement that are there due to just war theory? I am skeptical, uh, particularly if you're going to have Secretary of Defense who is, you know, from a, the leadership position in the military. I'm a little bit skeptical because all of those guys are steeped in just war theory. So we will see. Ed Powell in the chat room says, on Emperor Hiro, Hiro, Hirohito's timeline, memory, 75 years ago, you posted this image of you leading your nation in fervor. Hirohito quietly, quietly closes the memory, yes. Wow. Um, no doubt. No doubt. So I imagine Ed might want to call in today. Who knows? Because when I put my topic out there for today's show... He already answered it. So I figure you could just go read Ed's comment, and then we just don't have to have a show at all. Not really. But I've got a story that we're going to start with here, and it's about this issue of fake news from the New York Post. And Couldn't Be Writer on Twitter sent it to me, so thanks to Couldn't Be Writer over on Twitter. You can follow Couldn't Be Writer for all kinds of interesting stuff. Headline, War on Fake News is all about censoring real news. And, you know, the way I put it in the show description is, is this issue of fake news that's being brought up so much lately by Obama and the left and all kinds of people, is it just a pretext for calling for government censorship? And in addition, not just that, even in the culture, it could be a pretext for getting people to disregard any non-leftist news media, right? Um, is that all that this is, this issue of fake news, 
or is there a real issue there? That's really the topic that we want to look at today. And the New York Post seems to think it's just all about censoring real news. They also go on to talk about the second aspect of it that I brought up, which is this issue of, you know, basically urging people to ignore non-leftist news media, media that comes from a non-leftist viewpoint. Going into the article, scrambling for an explanation for Donald Trump's victory, many in the media and on the left have settled on the idea that his supporters were consumers of fake news. Gullible rubes living in an alternate reality is what made Trump president. To be sure, says this Post article, there is no such thing as actual fake news made up stories. Or you know, They say there is such a thing as fake news, right? And there are these. You've probably been taken in by some of these sometimes. Uh, they have these made up stories that are built to get clicks article, uh, you know, ad views and all this kind of stuff. The way they put it in here, it's built to get Facebook traction before they can be debunked. But, says the author, that's not what's really going on here. What the left is trying to do is designate anything outside its ideological bubble as suspect on its face. Right? Put it all together as all fake. In October, President Obama complained that we need a, quote, curating function to deal with the, quote, wild, wild west of information flow, end quote. So if something is unregulated, it is automatically the wild, wild west, and that's the way for you to think, oh, my gosh, something, there there ought to be a law, because we can't have it be the wild, wild west. But this is information, right? Um, You know, again, people, the thing that comes to mind is when people equate economic power with political power or force. And those are two very different things. The idea that you are a person who has built a successful business and who has a lot of money, that does not mean that you have the power to do harm to others or that you will do harm to others or that you pose a threat to other people. Similarly, if all that's going on out there is the broadcasting of information This is not the same as a physical assault, and yet that's what he's making it seem like by calling it the wild, wild west of information flow and thinking that the government must step in. Carol Markowitz is writing here for the New York Post, and she says, who would be doing this curating, you know, that Obama is calling for? It's unclear, but we can guess. Obviously, says Noah Fieldman at Bloomberg, quote, it would be better if the market would fix the problem on its own, but if they can't reliably do it, and that seems possible since algorithms aren't yet fact checkers, there might be a need for the state to step in, end quote. Can you believe someone who is writing for Bloomberg, I mean, the semi-respected here journalistic outlet, is potentially calling for the state to step in to regulate speech? First Amendment, calling for an undermining of the First Amendment. In other words, writes Markowitz, censorship. And whom might the government look to target in this crackdown? In an interview with Jan Wenner of Rolling Stone last week, Obama said again that, quote, the biggest challenge that I think we have right now in terms of this divide is that the country receives information from completely different sources, end quote. So what is this? So with antitrust law, for for businesses, they want to break them up. But for the dissemination of information, Obama is calling for consolidation, and somehow that's a good thing. 
Seemingly with a straight face, writes Markowitz, Obama then told Wenner, quote, good journalism continues to this great work done in Rolling Stone. End quote. Markowitz points out, Rolling Stone, of course, ran a sensational and false story last year about a gang rape at a University of Virginia fraternity that was thoroughly discredited. The magazine was forced to pay a university administrator. It defamed $3 million in damages, and there may be more lawsuits in store. Good journalism and Rolling Stone, writes Markowitz, do not go hand in hand. And then she says Obama removed all doubt. He blamed Trump's win in part on, quote, Fox News in every bar and restaurant in big chunks of the country, end quote. So Obama is blaming the fact that Trump won on free speech, freedom of expression, the idea that we have news outlets that aren't regulated by a benevolent dictator government. People in the chat room are laughing. Rolling Stone. Yeah, Rolling Stone as a venerable example of journalism. Crazy, crazy stuff. Oh, I do have actually someone who wants to chime in on the fake news topic. I wonder, ready to dive in now or not. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hi, Amy. This is Avneet. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, it's a good connection. You haven't called in the show before, have you? I have not. This is actually okay. my first time. Well, welcome. Um, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually a new immigrant to the U.S. Um, I just recently came from Canada. Okay. Um, and I actually had just two points that I was thinking about. Um, with actually, to this actually, I should say something. I should say news. something. I should, I should say, I should say, welcome, because you are a new immigrant to the oh, U.S. And you. I want to, I want to make clear that this show is welcoming to good and peaceful immigrants who want to come here and be productive people. Just make that clear. Okay, so continue. Oh yeah, I, I actually wanted to get in as soon as possible before Trump actually did something. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Luckily. I don't blame you. I don't blame me. you at all. Yeah. Yeah, and I all I actually want to do is find a job and work, but seems like that's going to be hard in the coming future. Um, okay, yeah. So I I was thinking about this fake news uh, debate, and I had two two issues. So the first thing that I was thinking of is like fake news versus biased news. If you are talking about biased news reporting, well, you're going to see it all the time on CNN, New York Times. And even on Fox News, for that matter. So no, you're going to you're going to see it of, everywhere. You're going to see it on both yeah, exactly. the left and the right in ter- in terms of True. biased news. And in, in fact, um, Avneet, do you listen to Yaron Brooks' podcast? Yeah, yeah, I do so every every week. Yeah, because he did a couple weeks ago. I can't remember, maybe two or three weeks ago. I put the link in the program notes. He did a show where he talked about the media, and he actually said. There is no completely objective journalism anywhere. Like there's no major journalistic outlet anywhere that is non-biased. That's true. So that if you, so if fact, you have your idea that, you know, you're going to either get your news from a completely unbiased source or you're not going to get it at all, then you're just kidding yourself. And what we have to learn to do is discount for the bias and take the things that are of value from all right. of these sources, right? That's yeah. true. In fact, the other day, even in the Wall Street Journal, there was an article which was just going after free trade. 
that's the wall street journal it's not even the new york times or cnn or something sure so that's just a reality and you can actually get rid of these biases i mean if you have a proper guiding philosophy in my case that's objectivism so i can filter that out that's not a problem but fake news actually does exist these are actually stories which are not about bias and news reporting these are actually just concocted stories totally wrong with no mm-hmm. actual actual basis in reality so if so if these social media companies are actually thinking about i don't know how they figure out if it is fake or if it is biased or if it is actually fake or if there is an intersection between those two what mm-hmm. if the idea is get rid of actual fake news that is okay that's not even a problem but are they going to do, do just that or are they not going to do just that and go after you know the right the media from uh, the media from non left sources that yeah you know i'd be interested concern. i'm going to i'm going to try to see i'm going to see if i can approach somebody say at facebook and see if i can get somebody to talk to me about you know what filtering out fake news would consist of so for example the kind of thing that i've heard of is that someone will set up a website and make it look like a real newspaper website, for example. And I can't remember, somebody set up one called the Denver Guardian. And there is no such newspaper as the Denver Guardian. But they put a few token articles that look sort of like real news on the page. And then they put, you know, the one article that's like this fake news story that they're hoping is going to go viral. And it, the source is this Denver Guardian, which sounds like a real paper, even though it's not. And then suddenly the thing goes viral and, and you know, it's off. I know. And Facebook actually has been doing this this type of thing. I mean, there was a story back in the day in which they were actually culling conservative news media stories from Facebook or something. So they've, they've actually done this type of thing, which is why I'm concerned about what they might do with this. Um, yeah, cer- certainly yeah. it's a concern. Certainly it's a concern if Facebook starts doing this. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if you've been listening to my show long enough to kind of, you know, get my, my sins on Facebook. In general, obviously, Facebook is a private business and it should be able to do whatever it wants. You know, we True. make a contract with it. You know, if it, if it wants to only allow certain viewpoints to be expressed and all this, and then the free market should take care of it and we go someplace else. My concern with Facebook is that government does have its claws into Facebook to a certain extent. And the one example that I know of for sure is there's this privacy-related consent decree that Facebook has with the government. And that gives the government control for like 20 years total, starting a couple of years ago, maybe 18 years, 18 to 20 years, I can't remember exactly, over Facebook's privacy policy. It has this control. And so I fear that there is, you know, this pressure being put on Facebook by the government, which the government is getting because of things like a consent decree and stuff like that. And it might be using it to influence decisions that Facebook makes about what viewpoints are expressed or anything else. Of course, Zuckerberg has his own liberal type biases, right? Exactly. He's already a leftist, so how does he even, that doesn't even bother him because that's his agenda anyways. Not in to, general, not to say in that general though, I, I, tend, guy, I tend to think he's, I tend to think he's earnest about, you know, having kind of, you know, an open forum there and stuff like that. I do think that there are some things that happen as a natural consequence of it being such a huge 
website. I mean, imagine, you know, Facebook is hardly ever down. I don't think I have any mal. Imagine that they keep this thing going and there's so many users all over the globe and the thing operates so well. But one of the things that happens is if you post something controversial, Facebook has this mechanism by which all these people can, quote, report it. And sometimes that will result in either your post or your page or whatever being taken down, at least temporarily, when, you know, if a human was looking at it, it wouldn't because there's these automatic algorithms and things like that that, you know, of necessity have to happen because it's such a vast enterprise, right? I actually actually work in the tech world. I actually make some of these algorithms. So now you can easily do all this with big data technology. It's not that hard. I mean, if Facebook is doing it, Facebook is actually at the forefront of this kind of technology. So, right. yeah, I mean, it's easily possible. So, I had just one more issue with regard to this fake news uh, thing. That's mm-hmm. the issue of free speech. Um, so, if if this fa- if if the incoming Trump administration is going to use this fake news thing to just go after the mainstream media, that that actually is a ominous sign because then you are talking oh, about, yeah. you know threat to free speech. And with Trump, that's easily possible because he's already been going after the media. He wants to open up libel laws and whatnot. So is he going yeah, to and, go and, after you know, telling, telling the, the cast of Hamilton that they must apologize for giving a little speech to Mike Pence who came to watch their show. You know, they weren't blocking yeah, Mike Pence I, from I leaving or anything like this, some, right? Some guy, some guy saying that they should apologize, but now he's actually president. So that's that's a very different thing than just some common guy like me saying they should apologize. So, I agree. Yeah. I, I agree wholeheartedly. You know, again, referencing back to Yaron Brooks' show when he was talking about the, the media and the relationship also of, of Trump to the media. When you're a candidate yeah. and you're criticizing the media, it's one thing. But if you are now president-elect and everybody knows you're going to be president, what Yaron was saying is that whenever Trump is you know, saying all this stuff out there, even on Twitter, behind it, there's this implicit threat, you know, this idea of a government gun being pointed at somebody. And, you know, for, for me, when I was thinking about that, you know, he was, he was saying that the, you know, a president shouldn't criticize the media at all. What I was thinking is, suppose New York Times says something inaccurate about Trump. Trump could say, New York Times said so-and-so, but it's not true you know, here's the truth, maybe put a link, whatever it is, but don't say anything more. Just, you know, yeah, he's got, I guess he's going to keep using Twitter. I don't know what's the, you know, the latest on whether he's going to keep tweeting as president or talk about, talk about that in a minute, but you know, whatever platform he properly has as president, the whitehouse.gov website or whatever, if he need, you know, wanted to say, okay, well, the truth about me is this and you know, in this outlet, it was inaccurate. Just say that only that much. Right. But then if I mean, you go on and talk about say, the New York times is so biased exclamation say. point, right? No. Yeah. Even if you want to criticize the media and you are the president, I don't think there's a problem provided you then say that, yeah, but I will still defend the right of the media to criticize me no matter what. But they don't even say that. Okay, so put, so put the disclaimer. You'd be, you'd be okay if he criticizes the media as long as he puts the disclaimer? Yes. Okay. I, I'm, not sure, what I, I'm not sure what I think about that because when I, when, I, when I heard Euron saying, look, once you are in that position of political power, 
then really you should not be criticizing the media because really it's the media's job to be a watchdog. I was thinking of the only exception just being they stated this, but the truth is X, and then just don't make it any broader than that. But you're saying criticism, okay, as long as there's a disclaimer saying, you know, but this is freedom of expression in our country. And I, yes, because I the president also know. has free speech, right? Yeah. I mean, he is the president, but that doesn't mean his free speech rights disappear suddenly. That's the, that's my concern there. Yeah. But I mean, at any rate, if it's CNN versus free speech, then I'm with CNN, despite the fact that I can't really stand them. That's really right. where I'm coming from. Yeah, and, and and I'm the same. So, for example, I had posted a, a New York Times article, and I was making kind of a different point than some people took me to, to be making. But, you know, someone was saying, oh, well, New York Times is now irrelevant, and they're so biased, and, you know, the, and therefore irrelevant. And to me, New York Times, CNN, and stuff, they're not irrelevant. And, in fact, yes, they're biased. I know that they're biased, but I'm counting on them to – hold Trump accountable against the worst of the excesses that I anticipate he's going to try to foist on the American people. So, you know, I, I continue to subscribe to New York Times. I'm probably going to renew up with Wall Street Journal as well because they provide some valuable content. own was singing the praises of NPR, how NPR provides a whole lot of unique content. And even though there's a bias there, he gets tremendous value. He finds that there's a lot that he's given to think about and challenged with. And so, yeah, I definitely see yeah. the value of I mean, these outlets. I read, when I read the Wall Street Journal, like there's lots and lots of articles which basically talk about over-regulation. I mean, I know over-regulation is just a misnomer. Regulation itself is the problem. Mm-hmm. But if you know what to think, you can get rid of all these biases. At least you mm-hmm. get the right kind of news. But yeah, yeah, now, I mean, now what is what is true? What is end. true, right? Uh, what is true is that to the extent that you have to filter because of the biases, then you can yeah. get what in the you know kind of psychology jargon they talk about is decision fatigue, because you have to say, okay, do I take this straight or do I filter? And so obviously you probably get better at filtering over time. And so it becomes less and less work for you. But at the same time, to the extent that we are bombarded with biased news on both the left and the right, I mean, try to read Breitbart, try to read Drudge Report. If I go through Drudge Report, there's so much sensationalism and populism, um, just oh, also, you know, scaremongering <laughs> and everything else. Don't even go to Infowars, for instance. Uh, you know, I don't even know a lot of times whether I even believe anything there. So, you know, yeah, you, I used to you follow those guys on Twitter, Paul, Joseph Watson, and others. But then, I just totally, I just got disillusioned with their rhetoric. It was totally like, totally biased. Yeah, so, no, it's it's hard. But you know, again, I I'm finding these news sources do have value. I'm pleasantly surprised sometimes by New York Times and what they choose to publish, and even you know sometimes the angle that's taken within the article. So. You know, I will continue. I'll continue continue to critique it too. I mean, we can always write our letters to the editor and say, you know, I'm a subscriber to New York Times, but I didn't like this and here's why. I know, but sometimes it's just surprising the kinds of things they talk about. Like they keep talking about transgender bathrooms. Like, okay, I mean, okay, that might maybe that is an issue. I think it is okay, but it's 
is it really that important like isn't the economy like more important like you keep talking about it every day every day devote to two pages like articles every day who cares about these transgender bathrooms okay do anything no, you cert- want certainly the- selection <laughs> bias is one of the problems just the mere decision about what they find important to talk about is itself yes an issue exactly yeah So thank thank you for calling. Anything else, Avneet, before I go? I've got a couple other callers on the line I'm going to grab. Oh, that's it for me. Thank you so much for taking my call. Thanks for calling in. Great sound and everything, so definitely do it again. I appreciate it. I think I've got Ed here next. Let me see. Is this Ed? Hey. Yes. Hey, Amy. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Good. Yeah, so I see fake news on my social media all the time. Uh, like, I know a couple of days ago, maybe it was like before Thanksgiving, someone posted that, oh, no, Trump really is winning in the, in the popular vote, one of my favorites. Okay. And, uh, and I, you know, obviously that's not true. Um, right. You know, and it takes 10 seconds to figure it out. So I politely commented, I don't think this is true. You better look here and then put a link. Um, so, so there's that. There's that sort of fake news um, and what happens nothing nothing happens because of that fake news a bunch of posts get posted nope doesn't affect anybody's life doesn't have any you know um, larger meaning in the world just yeah it's obviously somebody posted something that's false now let's talk about global warming or rather, catastrophic human-caused global warming. Right, the, the, the kind that requires immediate government banning of all fossil fuels, that kind, right? That's right. Now, yes. that is also fake news, because that doesn't even agree with the IPCC's data. I mean, if you look at the IPCC's data, it doesn't show that, right? I mean, that's, this yeah. is all very, very, very yeah. Or, or more, more importantly, more importantly for this host, more importantly for this host, how about the USDA dietary guidelines that tell me I should not be having so much butter? That is, that's fake news. Isn't that fake stuff that the government is pushing on me? But trillions of dollars are not affected by that fake news, like it is for like global warming. I mean, literally trillions. Okay, of okay, move. but in my in my hierarchy of values, Ed, the butter, it's up there. It's just so well, I mean, there. it's not. It's butter's okay. It's not bacon. I mean, you know, let's let's be honest. Uh, well, but, the U.S. dietary like, guidelines are also opponents of bacon. But since I start my day really with the butter more than the bacon, it's just kind of higher in my. Hierarchy. You put butter in your coffee, which is yes. just weird. It's beautiful. Just weird. It's beautiful. Yeah. Now, there's other fake news. Like um, Alex Jones, you mentioned Alex Jones. He, uh, he believes um, 9-11 was an inside job. Right. Uh, that, that, that's the main reason I, mean, I don't listen to him. You know, there, there are biases, and then there are biases that you just feel like, I can't even go to this place and try to filter and when they are from the perspective that 9/11 was an inside job, that pretty much discredits for, from you know my perspective. No, I I agree. I'm not a I, I like Paul Joseph Watson who posts posts on Infowars. You know he's he's works for that organization. I I, I like him, but I, I'm not a big uh, Alex Jones fan for the obvious right. reasons. Like, what the hell? 
And he also thinks the Sandy Hook, uh, the, the mass murder at the Sandy Hook Elementary School was some sort of conspiracy or, or a fake. Like it never Ew. really happened. It's just a stage. You know, so I mean, that's, that's nuts, right? I mean, that, that, that's crazy. That's crazy. But again, trillions of dollars aren't large government bureaucracies, you know, people flying all over the world, you know. So, I mean, one has to understand that, you know, these, these conspiracy theories and these fake news websites um, who want clickbait or who want, you know, followers, you know, send us your money like Alex Jones does. Right. Um, you know, they're like those, they're like those crazy preachers, right? You know, who, who promise to heal someone and then, you know, you're healed and send us your money, that sort of thing. Um, they're, they're nuts, but they're not, they don't have any effect on the world. They really don't. Uh, well, I mean, okay, so, so there's, there's, two, there's two different questions. You know, what sort of effect do these have? And did, for example, news have any role in helping to elect Trump? Um, or, you know, did the mentality, well, I mean, again, did, did, did the mentality that, that, you know, is taken in by fake news, have any role in electing Trump? And I, I would say yes. You know, again, you and I differ on this, and, and we're going to see uh, Lindsey Perico and Yaron Brooke talk about this issue, among other things, when they when they have their big debate uh, in, in February. But, you know, I do believe that the phenomenon that Ankar pointed out in his piece exists to a certain extent in the culture. And that phenomenon, this this idea of being ripe for authoritarianism is also the one that's going to take some of this news without questioning. You know, as Jerome Brooke put it, there's a lot of people who are just lazy and they're not willing to filter through the bias. And sometimes that means that they're not even going to look at the New York Times at all. Um, or maybe some people are not even willing to do the extra bit of checking to see whether a news source that they're relying on is a real news source or whether it's the Denver Guardian or whatever, you know, that that fake website was. There was a Baltimore something that was going around a while ago posting some phony news. And you do have to be aware. And it is true that some people aren't. And, you know, we've always used to have the have the joke about, well, if it's in the, on the Internet, it must be true. The you know, the the fakers have gotten a little more sophisticated by putting together these sites, you know, like Denver Guardian or whatever, that looks like a real news site. And people do have to do work. And to the extent that our progressive education system has destroyed their brains and they're not thinking critically and, you know, they're going out, you know, it's kind of funny, actually, because I think the progressive education system probably did help elect Trump. And yet the left is the one that's primarily responsible for instilling that. And they're horrified that Trump got elected. It's just another example of the left sort of you know, not getting what they thought they were going to get when they instituted certain governmental programs like progressive education. Uh, but it's a well, real if issue. I were, if I were going it's a real to say issue. who elected Trump in the media, it isn't these fake news sites. It's the ABC, NBC, CNN, CBS, your own favorite, NPR. And <laughs> the reason they elected Trump is because they have been so biased and so, um, you know, fake newsy of themselves 
for so long. You, you remember the Rolling Stone story. You mentioned that earlier about the rape mm-hmm. on Virginia. Let's not forget that that was picked up by every mainstream news media and ran right. into the ground. And, and, and I've, got, right. I've, so got another example. I've got another example. So, I've got another example sorry, of mainstream me, news let me, let me media spreading disinformation. Only yeah. half, a sentence. half a sentence. They've been so corrupt and so wrong and so uh, biased for so long that people are like, I, I can't deal with this anymore. Just like you say, well, Sandy, you can't go to Alex Jones because you know, he believes Sandy Hook Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook is a hoax. I can't believe them again. Well, there's millions of people who say that because of CNN or, or ABC or NBC or the New York Times. They've, mm-hmm. they've seen one too many things that are just not true. Um, I, you know, I... Um, I wanted to. So that that would be that I would be an interesting you. argument for you to make to Obama, right? Because Obama was saying that it's because Fox News, they were all listening to Fox News, and you're saying no, it's all of these people. They're so sick of the bias in the mainstream left wing media that they are just yeah. reacting to that and voting for Trump in protest almost. Or or you know seeking out any alternative that there is, right? Including Alex Jones. Right. I mean, okay. because if, you know, there's now there's the whole other thing, which, which is called the Gelman amnesia effect. And uh, I don't know whether this has happened to you. It certainly has happened to me. <clears throat> uh, I'll read a very short snippet. Sure. You open, you open the newspaper to an article on some subject you know well. In Mary's case, it was physics. In mine, the person giving this story was Michael Crichton. Show business. You read the article and see the journalist has absolutely no understanding of either the facts or the issues. Often, the article is so wrong that it actually presents the story backwards, reversing cause and effect. I call these the wet streets cause rain stories. Facebook page is full. In any case, you read with exasperation or amusement the multiple errors in the story. Then you turn the page to the National Air National Affairs and read as if the rest of the newspaper was somehow more accurate about Palestine than the baloney you just read on something you know well. Right. You turn the page and forget what you know. That's the Gelman amnesia. Now that, is, of course, happened to me all the time. I read something I know well. Uh, firearms, obviously, a big, you know, one of my big interests. And you mm-hmm. read something in the newspaper about firearms. It's completely inaccurate. Uh, I mentioned global warming. Physics, obviously, um, uh, is another one that I read about. I'm like, wow, this is really wrong. And then, you know, you go in and they talk about the last hospital in Syria being bombed and, oh, that last hospital in Aleppo being bombed. And, oh, my God, isn't that terrible? And it's like, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. Am I, am I suffering from the Gelman amnesia effect? Okay, but you know, so I've, now I want to I distinguish something, though, because you were talking about how an article would reverse cause and effect. And, and sure, we've seen that before. And my kind of, you know, little specialty of late – economics uh, for me privacy though is is huge you know i'm always looking right. at issues of, privacy. about privacy and, and and critiquing but so so my point is though there's two different things the if the newspaper is trying to give you a certain portrayal of cause and effect then yeah you should consistently question that throughout your reading of the entire newspaper whether or not the particular article you're reading is something that you have expertise in or not right so that's that's your message is that you should do that but if the newspaper is merely reporting that a particular event took place, and even if they're saying, okay, well, this particular event took place and it took place, you know, somewhere in the same time frame as another event, 
you could at least, you know, probably with the mainstream media sources, usually trust at least that the event took place. Now, not what the okay, cause I've, is, I've, I've what another, it means, right? I have another very short story. I promise. It's really short. Sure. Living in Northern California, 1991, there was the Oakland Hills Fire. Oakland Hills Fire, giant fire in the Oakland Hills. And it was a disaster, and I was sitting in front of the TV, and we were watching all these helicopters fly over and, and show all of the destruction. There was a huge number of homes destroyed. Mm-hmm. And the commentator, the you know, anchor, or whoever was doing the TV news, kept saying, like, but I re- must remind you, we only have official confirmation that 51 homes have been affected. In this. Now, he has watched the same thing I've watched, which shows hundreds of homes being destroyed, right? He has watched it with his own eyes. But right. the, main, the mainstream media epistemology, and I am serious about this, journalist epistemology is nothing is true unless it's confirmed by a government official or a rep, you know, reputable in their mind, uh, some sort of you know, pressure group like the you know, NRDC or, or something like that. And their epistemology really is has to be confirmed by a government official. He actually saw with his own eyes. Well, this is this is this is why it's so important to have a free market in news, so that you can have a news outlet that comes up that doesn't say that we're going to report something only if it's been confirmed by the appropriate government officials, et cetera. Uh, you know that obviously that that's wrong, and then and then people like you are ones that should. You know, now we've got all sorts of ways to try to get the, the truth out there that a particular news outlet is not giving the full story. I mean, what was the, the big one? The, you know, the fact that there were Muslims in the New Jersey area cheering after 9-11. Yeah. That, that became a big issue. You know, there were some news outlets that were trying to say that there weren't and Trump was saying that there was and there, there were. Right. Well, and then Trump, you had to have usual Trump in his usual Trump way. He said there were thousands, which is not true, but there were many and so they were trying to you know get them on a technicality of it Who, whoever thought trump would use hyperbole right i mean it's as if they've never been around for the last year and a half uh, but i think the real thing in news is that people demand primary source information they demand photographs videos they demand, you know, obviously they can be fake too, but they're, they're at least something. Um, yeah, that's a huge a, issue a now. You people, can fake these photos and videos with all the sophisticated technology, right? That with with Hillary, the, uh, whether whether Hillary was wearing an earpiece and stuff, that was a big deal. People were scouring photographs about that. Right. And the yeah. guy who had this injector who was walking around there, but was it a injector or was it a, uh, you know, was it a... Um, a flashlight, you know, I, and, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things. And that's, that's great. I mean, people all have video cameras. I mean, a lot of these unjustifiable police shootings that have happened, um, and they really are a bunch of them, not all of them, not Michael Brown, you know, some of the other ones are really unjustifiable and they've only been caught. I mean, if you think the police would do a great job of policing themselves without these videos, uh, you know, that's nuts. So it's really right. citizen journalism that's the future. It, I, honestly, God, it's citizen journalists. It's people with cameras. Okay, but so so let me let me let me counter you with a couple things about that. Um, you know, when I when I, one of the things that I'm talking about today, or I'm just kind of indicating to you, because I'm I'm going to try to have Ben Bear on next week because he's been working on a series 
about the sniff test, how you develop a critical nose for news. And he's published only the first in a series of five of the elements of the sniff test, as he's calling it. Uh, but one thing that he talks about at the beginning is that in general, right, people do want to tell you the truth. They want to actually adhere to reality. And so if, you know, for example, it's just kind of an eyewitness report. If you're, if you're taking the New York Times as just giving you a report that a certain event occurred and X people died or whatever it was, that in general you can rely on that. Now, obviously there are exceptions and we've seen big scandals where there's these, you know, falsified reports in the news and stuff. But in general, most people, if they have any survival value, they want to adhere to the facts of reality. They want to keep the reputation of the New York Times going and everything else. But what you're saying, Ed, is that that general, you know, human need and, you know, if they're rational recognition of the fact that we need to be connected to the facts of reality by our consciousness, we need to accurately report what we see. You're saying that that is overridden by what's going on in the mainstream media now, which is that they're deferring to official government reports before they're going to report anything. And so that really what Ben is saying here about this, this general human nature of, of needing to and, and wanting to adhere to reality, that we can't trust that anymore? Well, to some extent, Ben's article was off the mark, and I commented on uh, Facebook uh, a number of ways. Um, Obviously, you have to use the smell test, right? You have to say, does this make any sense? Does this integrate with anything I know? And I think that's kind of what he was, he was saying. Well, um, those are things I think he's going to talk uh, about later. I think the, the, the first yeah. element that he's putting out there is whether it's a, a real news source that you can actually trust, or is it like the Denver Guardian, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, what if the real news source happens to be, I, I don't know whether you saw this yesterday, but there was a, a black woman whose whose boyfriend was shot in in the car and she immediately started filming it on Facebook and sent it out, you know, as a live on Facebook of this cop shooting her boyfriend and wow. charges came back yesterday. Charges came back. I don't know whether you saw that, but charges came back yesterday against the cop because it was unjustified. Now, okay, no, okay, I remember seeing that before. So so now the charges have come in. That's good. Yeah, manslaughter, unjustified shooting. Now, that that wouldn't have happened if she hadn't filmed that. Um, the other thing that, as far as the, you know, as far as the news media goes, I, I, I recall, now unfortunately I don't recall exactly which um, one, but in one of uh, Dr. Peacock, Leonard Peacock's lectures, uh, I think Ford Hall Forum lectures, he, he said something on the order of, you know, a liar is not someone who lies in every single sentence. One or two big whoppers are sufficient. I always remember that sense. Dr. Peacock is so quotable, you know. And so the New York Times, under the Peacockian standard, is a liar. And so is the Washington Post. So is Rolling Stone. And so is CNN. And so are all of these main media. It's not that they lie all the time. But they ha- each of them have done the one or two. Well, weapons. but the other the other thing you have to take into account too is that it the it's not only one person; it's an entire organization. And so, while you might have a you know one bad egg, in general, uh, you know, it, it, again, I would tend to have 
Let's see, not newspapers work a, right a, there. Epistemological bene, uh, benevolence about people, right? You know, just that, that Ben is expressing here, that in general, people do want to tell the truth, report the news as it is, Etc. If, if if we can't even think about that, that people generally are are good, even though they're biased, then I think we're all toast. Well, my last point, and I'll let you go because I know you have other callers. My last well, point. So, no, I, so I had I had one more thing I wanted to ask you about. So there's oh, there's two sure. things. One one was uh, one was Ben's idea that you know people are generally good and they want to adhere to the facts of reality, and you know you're saying that maybe that's overshadowed by the news media's desire to adhere to official government dictates or, you know, uh, reports or, you know, whatever it is that releases as they do it. Uh, But then the other thing that Yaron was talking about is the tremendous amount of resources that it takes to send journalists all over the world, you know, to have people on the ground taking pictures and writing stories and all of that. And only some of the big outlets like your CNN and your New York Times and your Washington Post and your MSNBC and whatever, they own, they're the only ones who have the resources to actually do this. I mean, I would love to give some objective news reporting, but I just have me. So I can only be, you know, so many places at a time. You have to have a huge institution to be able to report on news generally. Okay, so, yeah? you know. In, in some sense, that's true. Uh, the, I, I think the local news is generally less biased and more just the facts, ma'am, than the national news. So I think if you watch the evening local news in Orange County, in your case, or in D.C., in my case, um, I think there is much less bias in them. There was a fire at this block. This person was injured. This person was taken to the hospital, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. There were shots fired. You know, I think the thing, but what happens when you get into the national news since uh, to the left, everything is politics, is they have these narratives. A, a narrative is a, a story they believe to be true, an explanatory story that they need to be, that they believe to be true about the world. For instance, one of their big narratives is capitalism is evil and destroying the planet. Right. So when they see a story, you know, NASA reports 2016 was the hottest year in all of recorded history. Um, oh, my God, it goes on every page. And, you know, and nobody has time to sit down and say, well, what did NASA really say? What were the, you know, and no, it's just splashed on all the newspapers. But, for instance, um, one of the big things now since last 2015, 2016 was a big El Nino year, and it, the temperature was huge. Um, right. The temperature had the global temperature in the last six months has dropped fastest that it's ever been in the history of knowledge. It's, it's dropped Yay. Farthest, fastest. I like it cooler. Um, because, I like it cooler. <laughs> because we're coming out of the El Nino. Now that doesn't, um, that doesn't meet the narrative. So that's not on the Washington Post. That's not in the New York Times. That's not in NPR. Right. right. Where it is in, so, is so, in so, the so, wait, so is, that is, So maybe what we can do then, Ed, is kind of add an extra bit of advice for those people who, you know, suppose I like New York Times. Why? Because New York Times is going to integrate all sorts of news, right? Um, But you're saying that if you really want to know the truth, at least about a story that happens locally and there's a local news outlet, that if if you really want to know what the true 
facts are that maybe at least go to the local news source, go to a reliable local news source in addition to your national New York Times or whatever it is that you like to read in the morning? Yeah, yeah. I was interviewed, uh, okay, uh, a couple months ago, there was a violent incident on an aircraft that I was on, and I was, like, right next to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw, I saw the fight. I saw the guys. You know, I even tried to help, although I was an idiot, so I didn't really do anything. Um, uh, tackle the guy. And, and so, uh, so I was inter- – and then we had to be diverted, and it was all pain in the ass. And so I was sure. interviewed then on the continuation of the flight by a local news reporter on Twitter because I, hmm. I had posted – something on, on Twitter and he had found it and he interviewed me via Twitter and, and I saw the story which is a, a local TV story later in the day and the story was really accurate and I was really happy I was really, I was really pleased with that so I mean to the, to the extent that you can participate in the news gathering process um, that's right. great and, and, uh, and so if, the, you know, if, you, if you for example you're in Oakland and you see a news source inaccurately reporting something then you can phone in and you know Tell them, hey, I saw this. You saw this. We, you know, we we need to hold the, you know, these journalistic entities accountable. At the same time, I'm not going to dismiss them, and I do think New York Times would have a certain value. I've got another call as well. Can I make um, one the, last point? One last. Sure, go ahead. Up, please, just just mm-hmm. one minute. Less than. Of course. My recommendation for people is to consume a wide variety of news. Mm-hmm. Read the New York Times and the Washington Post, and you know, listen to NPR. That's fine, but also read the British press. Also mm-hmm. read blogs that comment on the press. What's up with that is a great blog for, for instance, global warming-related things. So go outside the mainstream, inside the mainstream. Go inside the U.S., outside the U.S. Right. Take a broad look at it. Don't just limit yourself to one avenue. And then integrate. News reading is a process of integration. Is yes. what I'm reading integrate with everything else I know? It's, yep. it's, a, it's a very important step. And if you do it and you, say, and you come up with this can't possibly be true, which I do all the time reading things, <laughs> this can't possibly be true because I know something else, then you have been a philosophical detective, as Ayn Rand would have put it, when right. uh, approaching the news. And that would be my, uh, my final thought. Let me ask you one question before you go then. Um, if you had to name the most objective news source in your opinion, not that I'm telling you, you know, that you're saying it's 100% objective, but least biased news source, if there was one, what would you say? Do you have any candidates? No, they're all biased. Okay, so, so, so they're all biased. You, you, you and your own agree on something. I listened to that in your own podcast, and he did not say that. But that's okay. He did. He said all he of them thought. are biased. He said the, the right wings have their bias and the left wings have their bias. There is no 100% objective news source, and so what you have to do is you have to filter it out. And you're saying, you know, read a balance, read a variety of them, right? I think one of uh, one of the things that your own, uh, you know, if I were to criticize his presentation on that particular podcast was he did not put enough emphasis in reading the foreign press, especially the British press, and reading blogs that comment on news stories, like what's up with that for global warming. 
That now, do you think you you don't necessarily out. think that the British press is 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 objective, but you just think that the bias that is in the British press provides a good antidote to our press? Is that your view? They don't seem to have the same narratives about American politics that American journalists have. They are just as biased. And if okay. I were in the British, I, if I were a Briton living in Britain, I would read. I would tell people, don't just read the Times or the Independent. They also have a lot more, you know, the Times, the Independent, the Daily Guardian, Mail. Guardian, Daily those. Mail. Guardian. Yeah. Um, I, read, I read all of those, um, you know, almost every day. Um, wow. But I would, tell them to read, I would tell them to read the American press, and I would still tell them to read the blog. Are, are, are you a speed reader just like you're a podcast, speed podcast listener? <laughs> I, I don't think I'm a speed reader, but I skim, you know. I, I, okay. I, Skimming is important. Yes. You know, it's, it's, you cannot read every word. That's crazy. You don't have enough time, but you can skim. So, so skim. we read, read a wide variety of sources with a good chunk of them being foreign, particularly British sources. That's your advice for people. And the blogs that comment on the American press. Okay. Um, it's, you know, it's, Remember, a good newspaper art, a good newspaper article in the in the old days, not today, but in the old days, a good newspaper article um, is supposed to be written so that um, every paragraph is less important than the previous paragraph because people do stop reading after one, two, three, four paragraphs. Yeah. I don't know. Once you to get the most important stuff up front, um, and so if you if you know if you read a newspaper article that's like that. Then you can stop after three or four or five paragraphs, and you've you've got eighty eighty percent of the value. Now, of course, it's not always that way these days, but you you get my drift. Uh, that's right. the way. Uh, all right. Mm-hmm. Have a nice uh, week there, Amy, and I will Thank talk you. to you sometime in the future. Great. Thanks, Ed. Thanks for calling in again. And I do have one more call I'm going to grab, and then I'm going to have to do my very quick run through other stories. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hi, Amy. It's Harold. Hi, Harold. Long time no here. How are you? Very good. Been listening all the time. Just haven't had a chance to call in with the audio no schedule changes. No worries. Um, all right. First, firstly, I just quick comment about Ed. Ed has so much to say. He should have his own show. <laughs> yeah. you know? He should. He should start a show, don't you think? Yes. Yeah, he's he's very obviously he's knowledgeable and he seems very lucent on on all the issues. You know. So anyway, that's. That's Ed, Ed from, I think he's from Fairfax or somewhere. Right. Um, all right. So I, I've been, I've got too much to say today, but I'll just try to have a few things. Um, I started out when I was a kid skeptical of the press because I grew up in apartheid era South Africa. And apartheid mm-hmm. didn't just mean segregation. It meant everything fascist that went with it, control of the press, public ownership of the railways, the post office, the trucking, everything was under government control and including censorship and control of the media and state-owned media, but private newspapers that were censored. So I used to listen to Voice of America and Radio Netherlands and BBC, and, you know, so I, I, got, I got to go outside the system and get multiple camera angles, as Ed suggests. You need as many camera angles as possible and then pull it all together yourself and figure out what's true and what's not. Right. As a test... I went to one political event from each of the different political parties, and then I noted how it was reported in the press the next day. So I was Mm -hmm. there in person. I got to see what happened. I got to hear. 
and then I got to see how it was reported. And that was the first time I realized that the liberal press that I'd been so trusting in was lying about just about everything. Wow. And that was a shock. That was a complete shock to me because I thought that the government, the government were the liars and the liberal press were the truth. And I found out that wasn't true and firsthand. And I went to every single political party and I even went, the prime minister was there. I was on an aisle seat. And when they come in, they don't come in from the front like they come in here. Came in from the back and walked right past me, like two foot away from me. He goes up, goes up the stairs onto the stage, makes his speech. What the government press did was very interesting. They, the prime minister, this is the, the guy that was really unpopular, uh, Boerta, remember him? The one that mm-hmm. had a stroke and, you know. I'm, bro- so, the, I'm, the sorry, last, I'm sec- sorry that I don't. I'm sorry that I don't, but go on. The second to last one, the guy that was like the the biggest uh, idiot ever. So he goes up and he speaks in a very, very slowly and he leaves big gaps between his sentences. So the audience is almost going to sleep. It's his own people, but they they have no patience with him. So what what I see on on the TV the next day is they've edited it and they've removed all all the the dead air and they've punched it up. So it sounds really interesting. So all they did is change the cadence. They didn't change the content, but they 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 diced and spliced it till it sounded somewhat decent. But in yeah, person, the guy you know, was really... um, they did they did the same thing to one of Hillary's appearances when she was out on the campaign trail. It was pretty close towards the end, and they used a particular camera angle that I think had the effect of making the crowd look bigger than it was and made her look better in certain ways. But, yeah, they can do this with the technology. They can really change, yeah. you know, what the event but I'm, comes I'm talking, across. I'm talking, about 30, I'm talking about 30 years ago before all of this, just when wow. you had the plain vanilla, plain vanilla factual. Now, the other thing is Wikipedia is slightly dishonest. They're not that bad. But I was at the Schiff event, you know, the election night uh, in the primaries in Connecticut, and mm-hmm. we were all at the hotel there, and there were a couple of print journalists there. And Schiff stood up and he made his, you know, concession speech, and he offered to help Linda McMahon. She was the Republican who had sixty million dollars. Ed McMahon, you know, the wrestling guy. That's her okay. husband. Anyway, okay. so Peter offered help. He offered to give his phone banking to her and have his people help make calls for her against uh, Blumenthal, the uh, Democrat. And the press were there. They heard it. And guess what's on Wikipedia? Uh, the exact, the exact opposite. Like, like he's antagonistic. He tried to tear now, her you down. Now, anybody, anybody can sign up for a Wikipedia account and go in and challenge what's in there. But you can do but that. But no one's, no, no one's fixed it. And the journalists who but were you there, can. I've, I've, Harold, you can oh, okay. do it. You can do All it. All right, I didn't know. And that would there be, was that would be awesome. I mean, that's you know, Wikipedia relies on readers who actually know. Yeah. The information, and I'm talking, you know, to go in there and help correct it. I'm talking about firsthand, my own eyes, my own ears. Yeah. That's really now one of the things I noticed when I came to America is I thought NPR was almost communist, and here's the reason why: as bad as the press was in South Africa, if you had like some incident, like on the Lebanese border between Israel and Lebanon, there's some skirmish or whatever. You get a report in, first report from Lebanon, second report from Israel, and you get to hear both reports side by side, and then that would be the end of the story. Mm -hmm. Came here, and you just hear like the Lebanese side of things, and that would be the end of the story. And I was like, what? What what did the other side have to say about it? Don't you you at least want to give your audience the option to hear both sides of the story? You you would think so. But, I mean, I find the same thing if I read New York Times, if it's something about, 
you know, the Israeli and quote unquote Palestinian conflict that you really have to have a big filter, a big bias filter when you're reading that stuff. Yeah, the the fake news thing, I'm not worried about that at all. Um, I think the problem is the fertile audience that this fake news is landing on. No, no, I mean, and, and again, it, it, it goes back to there is a, a segment, a significant segment of the American population that is taking things on authority, taking things without questioning them. And it's the same phenomenon that did get Trump elected. So it's not so much, you know, like, you know, Obama says, oh, it's because they had Fox News on. It's not that. It's it's the mentality of the people. It's not it's not the media that needs to be regulated. It's that people need to learn how to think. They need to learn how to question news sources. So this is why I like something like Ben Bear's little series where he's actually trying to educate people about how to be critical about the news. And, you know, perhaps Ed has his critique of, you know, the way Ben has done it or will do it or whatever. And then Ed can throw his five cents and maybe he should write Mm -hmm. his own series. You know, we need to educate people about how to think critically. I would love to see in schools all across the country, private schools all across the country, get rid of government schools, but you know, that everyone would have to, take a class in what they call informal logic, learn all the different sorts of fallacious reasoning, um, you know, and learn how to read news without taking things, quote unquote, on authority. Yeah, one of the things I do when I, I, if you have like certain events that are like historical events and we have multiple players, I will Mm -hmm. read the autobiographies of all the different players. They were all at that event. And each one would be claiming they were they were the key and the lead and whatever. But by reading all the accounts, you get, once again, multiple camera angles. And you, you get to be able to sort this thing out for yourself. But you can't right. do that with a single, a single account. You need to. So for citizen journalists, I'd say that will work. But only if you have multiple citizen journalists at the same event. And then you have a hierarchy of filtering at that point where you have citizen, not a sensor, but a an integrator, I guess you would call it, someone pulling it all together and pulling the multiple multiple feeds in and trying to make sense of it. Right. No, I, I agree. Now, what when you do have all of these different perspectives, and this is something that I was also thinking of while I was hearing Ed's advice, you know, that you read a wide variety of news sources, and in particular he's emphasizing some foreign, particularly British news sources. I agree with all that, but what comes into my mind is, the old debate within law about the so-called adversarial system like we have here in the United States and then what they call the inquisitorial yeah inquisitorial system like they have say in France and and other places where the you know the the judge directs the inquiry and and you know the presentation of of facts and the cases of both sides and stuff like that here you know here the judge is in effect at the mercy of the case as put forth by the two and you don't always get at the truth by having before you two biased presentations, one from one perspective, one, right. And so it's, it's not just, okay, well, I'm going to read all of these different news sources. If they really are all biased, the, the mere fact that you've got like a wide variety of bias things isn't going to itself give you the truth. You're still going to have to, like you're, you're talking about integration, but you're going to have to screen 
for the bias as well and try to sift within the story and say what's true, what's false. How is this story within itself even internally consistent or inconsistent? And what does that say about the you know reliability of the source? There's, there's more thought. Uh, you know, a whole bunch of different biases when put together in a blender doesn't automatically yield truth, right? Right. A blend, a blend of 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 lies is not going to get you the truth. I agree. No. Um, there. Anyway, um, just just uh, you you talked about political correctness once in one of your podcasts. I can't remember mm-hmm. what it was. And just out of curiosity, I I googled political correctness in Japan, and boy, did I get an eyeful. It's most unusual. They do have political correctness there, but it's about totally different things than what we have. And the funniest one, I, I mean, one of them is you can't, you can't do anything to destroy a person's honor, which is their public image. But things like being nice to foreigners, which we do very well in America, they do the opposite there. They're not very um, sensitive to foreigners like Koreans, even though they've been living there for generations. Hmm. And so... The, the feedback that I got, which was pretty funny, was like, oh, you want to be, you want to be nice to foreigners? Well, fine. You can have a hobby. Just don't do it on company time. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, so there's, there's an entirely different perspective on the other right. side of the world, even though it's a right. Western country. They, they have a different way of looking at things. So what Ed says about getting different newspapers I'd say go to Singapore, go 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 far out, go much further than London. You know, get really different perspective on things. Okay. Well, thank, people... thanks for chiming in on that. Okay. Um. Just finally. You have another point. Nice I'm sorry. Thing. Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. Another point. I had. I can't do cartoons. I don't know how to do cartoons, but a political cartoon popped into my head yesterday. This is what it is. I figured out what Donald Trump is. He's he's casino jargon. Winners, losers, you know, like that. So if you right. step into a casino, it's almost like Donald Trump is like a natural character there. I, I kind of figured that the other day. And I integrated that with another thing, him choosing who's going to be in which cabinet positions. And what I see is Donald Trump sitting on a stool with a one arm bandit on each side of him, and he's pulling the levers on both of them. And they got stuff spinning in the wheels, and it's the names of his cabinet picks. Uh, policies, it's all just a bunch of, you know, random, random stuff. No, it would, it would, it would definitely be, be fun. Um, you, sh- you should try to go find an artist and, and suggest it. That would be very cool. Thank, thanks, anyway, Harold, right. for your call. I'm going to, I'm going to go on to some, some other stories and yeah, um, I look for, I look forward to talking to you again. Um, over in the chat room, I just want to add one thing. There are Ed and Stuart, and they're talking about their experience with Wikipedia. And in their experience, it's not so easy to think that you're going to edit Wikipedia and have the truth be displayed there for all time. It, apparently, there is, and let me find Ed's comment here. He says, editing Wikipedia on, pol- on political topics is a losing game. He says, there, there are an army of leftists organized by paid leftist think tanks who patrol Wikipedia like concentration camp guards. That's a scary thing, and I guess the only approach would be to have armies of non-leftists come there and also try to do this thing if we want. You know, if we think Wikipedia is something worth fighting for, that's a whole other thing. My only experience in editing Wikipedia, you guys, you guys are going to laugh at me, but I mean, talk about my value orientation. I went in there, and I edited the entry for the Jezebels, and... 
what I did is I added a reference to the video that first introduced me to the Jezebels because they put in there a reference to that Danny McCaskill video, that awesome, you know, um, mountain biking, stunt biking video that has the Jezebel song, a little piece behind it. But for me, the introduction was a dog agility video. So I went ahead and put a little bit of text and a link and edited. That's the only editing I've ever done on Wikipedia. I had a good time. So anyway, yeah, uh, here's the thing that's coming through in the discussions with all of you is that there may indeed be a problem with people generally reporting the truth, that the things that Ben Bear is talking about, that we can generally rely on people to want to tell the truth, to want to report the truth. Today, maybe that's not the case. And, you know, spoiler for Atlas Shrug for the next 10 seconds or so. So stop listening to me for the next 10 seconds. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll say the word now when I'm going to do it. But, um, okay, now... In Atlas Shrugged, they don't want to live. Maybe today here, they don't want to tell the truth because they don't want to live. That would be scary. Okay, I think I used the 10 seconds and that people can come back and start listening now. Um, if that's really the case, we are in deep trouble. Um, yeah, Tim says, thanks for getting the truth out about the Jezebels. I just wanted to add, I mean, it was so important for me that I learned about the Jezebels from that one video. So I went in there and did that. And I love Sylvia Turkman, the woman who posted the video and it's just cool to give her a little nod for exposing a bunch of us to the Jezebels. I think, you know, they should put a little thing in there that I use it on the show. Maybe I should do that. Oh, I, I use it, but actually maybe the Jezebels will get mad at me. It's like, we don't want to be associated with her. Although she's given me an interview twice. It's been sweet of her anyway. Okay, so I'm over. I'm still connected. I'm going to run back to my blog at DontLetItGo.com and give you the stuff that I wanted to make sure you were aware of this week. Like, like I said, DontLetItGo.com is where I post the program notes for the show. And I think we've essentially wrapped up this topic about fake news. We're going to pick it up next week. I mean, what, what's the gist of it? The gist of it is that there is such a thing as fake news. I would say that the problem, of course, is not that there's these sources that are going out there and posing and as if they're real when they're not and there's these fake stories. It's people being uncritical about it. And, yes, it's people being uncritical that also to some extent resulted in the election of Trump, and that's a problem that Gatte pointed out in his piece. So this is you know, the, the same sort of issue, this lack of, of critical thinking. And it is very disturbing, and it does affect your sense of what the future in this country looks like. But what's the solution? Education, education, education. This is what Ben Bear is trying to do. I've got links to the introduction to his series that he posted, and then also the first of the five tips. The first thing he tells you to ask is, what is the source of this story, and what do I know about it? You need to be able to at least sniff out phony news sites. And, you know, be a little critical about that. Spend some time doing that. I hope to speak with Ben next week about the whole rest of the tips. But, you know, essentially, as far as I can tell, he's giving you ways to take in what other people are saying, but not take them purely on authority to be questioning about it before you accept it. Um, 
little story. It's got fake news in the title, and it is sort of relevant to our topic, but it does take you a little bit far afield. The headline is, Did Google Just Commit Fake News? And Google put some sort of a press release out in which it said, quote, we're set to reach 100% renewable energy, end quote. And the author, which is just the editor over at realclearenergy.org, they are saying that this is not fake news. What they're doing is they are, you know, sort of advertising themselves, bragging, et cetera. Google uses a tremendous amount of electricity. Apparently, it consumes almost as much electricity as the city of San Francisco. So the idea that they're actually getting 100% renewable energy, it's through these energy credits that they buy and all kinds of weird stuff. So, you know, how that happens, we'll leave it to Google. But the interesting thing is, you know, first of all, no, it's not fake news that they put this out there. Uh, they, they are not yet at 100% renewable energy. They've got some plan. They're going to get there. Unlike the government, where the government kicks the can down the road for 10 years, Google might actually reach this goal again, through all this weird stuff like carbon credits and whatever. But the point that the uh, editors were trying to make over here is that it's not Google's fault that news outlets picked up on this and, in effect, did this game of telephone and warped what Google had. So Reuters, they took this, you know, we're set to meet the 100% or whatever. They ran this headline, quote, Google meets renewable energy goal for global global operations, end quote. That it actually met the goal, right? That it meets it. Not that it's set to meet it, that it's going to meet it in this time in the future because they've put certain things in place, but they've met it. ABC News headline, quote, Google hits renewable energy goal in quest to parapollution. And dozens more, apparently. So here is, you know, the, you know, again, the bias that you have to look for, the filter that you have to do, you have to realize that a company like Google is going to put out these self-serving press releases and that perhaps a pro-Google news outlet and a news outlet like Reuters or ABC that wants to encourage companies to be environmentally conscious is going to say, look, Google has met its goal. It is paring down pollution. Why don't you, you other big businesses and stuff, you know, they, they want to celebrate this, that Google is doing this, that it has goals, that it's met them and everything. And they are. They're showing their bias in mangling what, Google actually said, because Google did not say that it has met this goal, that they've said that it's set to met this, meet this goal in the future. So that's just a small example of this issue. One issue that is actually not a fake news issue, but it is a disturbing news issue. And it's that I went to the New York Times and I saw on, you know, front page, I don't have a physical subscription, I have digital subscription. So I go on the website and I see whatever the front page is. And just what's on the front page itself is sometimes interesting to observe. And yesterday I saw a graph and it's a graph that goes over time. So it goes from July of 2015 all the way up to December of 2016 and it's got all these pretty colors and squiggly lines and everything and what does this graph depict it's this huge graph on graph on the front page it is here's the caption 
the kinds of people, places, and things Trump has insulted over time. So the categories, it's got the pretty colors. The yellow color is the journalists and the media. The purple color is the other category. Uh, The blue category is Democrats, and the red category is Republicans. And the author was saying, you know, basically he's tweeting about the things that make him angry, what he's insulting, right? What, look what he's insulting on Twitter. And he insults at different times throughout the campaign different segments of the world, right? So while he's facing all of these Republicans in the primary, he's insulting Republicans a lot more. While he's facing the Democrats, you know, when after everybody's dropped out, then he's insulting the Democrats a lot more. Now that he's been elected and Hillary's no longer his opponent, he doesn't need to insult Democrats so much. He is insulting the news media, journalists and the media. He is insulting them. You know, and again, we can talk about what is the proper policy once somebody is a president-elect with respect to the news media. Your own was saying that he should not be commenting on the media at all because the implication is that there's this government gun that's pointing and it might be pointed at the media. I would say maybe he could say a tweet about, you know, New York Times said X, but Y is really true. But no general criticism of any particular outlet, just, you know, he says what the truth is. Um, Don't put your weird exclamation points and all this stuff, you know, just not commentary, but just a fact. Maybe that would be acceptable. Uh, Avneet, who called in, said, go ahead and let him criticize but then he should come in with a disclaimer within the 140 characters. I don't know how, but the disclaimer would be, you know, free speech. I still believe in free speech. I would not ever do anything to these outlets. Okay. Uh, maybe, you know, we could talk about that, but the thing that's scary is first of all, he's not doing that. And he has demanded, for example, an apology from Hamilton. As I talked about a while ago, you know, Tammy Bruce was saying, Hey, you know, tax, law review is coming up or whatever Broadway is going to get a tax break or not. Maybe they're going to get what they deserve. This is scary. The idea that government is going to go after you if you say the wrong thing. And sure enough, that's the implication in the content of the tweets. He's been criticizing the media a lot since the time he's been elected. And that that's kind of ominous. Um, But what I was commenting on about this was just imagine that someone's tweets become front page news at the New York Times, that they make this whole graph and they've analyzed all these tweets for all these years, that this is the so-called news that's fit to print. It's just odd. I mean, you know, here we have the, t- the first tweeting president and that's why suddenly this becomes news. I speculated on the little Facebook thread that I had, you know, it's, it's not that I think it's not news. I'm just marveling at the fact that, yeah, I guess this is news. And then you think, well, why is it news? And is it because Donald Trump's Twitter account is the next incarnation of Obama's pen and phone? That's really what I wonder. Is Donald Trump's Twitter account that next incarnation? And if it is, that's just super scary. I do have, I think, Debbie on the line, and I want to give her a minute to talk, even though I don't have a whole ton of time left. Debbie, you're there, yes? Hi, Amy. Yes, I am. How are you? I am. I'm I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, yeah. 
All right. Well, um, yeah, I, I was actually calling about what you were talking about a few minutes ago, um, this uh, idea that people ultimately want to live and want to report correct information and mm-hmm. just how to reconcile that with the fact that there is so much biased reporting and just I what I think is that there's an important distinction. Now, mind, to mind you, mind you, I want to, I want to, I want to wait, wait. I want to interrupt you because I want to distinguish two things. There's bias, right? So there is, for example, you know what I was talking about earlier, the misinterpretation of what's cause and what's effect. For example, there's the bias, and then there's the kind of stuff that Harold was talking about when a news outlet just doesn't even give you the the bare fact that happened, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that was kind of what I was going to point out is that I think that a lot of the skewed reporting is just, it's not, it, there's a, it's the question of whether there's an intentional deception or suppression of information and whether there is just an, a bias, which happens um, sort of on an unconscious level, on an emotional level, maybe, or that the person is not being deliberately deceptive, but that they just kind of have a skewed way of looking at the world. And I think the latter is much more common, um, but it, and I don't know though. I guess I'd have to think a bit more about whether what Harold is talking about would actually still possibly fall under that category. Like maybe they, someone would not believe the the reporting from the other side, like in the Israel versus quote unquote Palestine, um, maybe they think that the Israelis are lying or something like that. And so they don't, I I, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of hard. It's so, it's really hard to tell what people are actually thinking um, or whether they are (laughs) actually thinking. I think that, that definitely learning how to think more critically, teaching more people how to think critically and and question things. That's the big problem because, I think this right. is another example of the um, the negative effects of progressive education. I think that a lot right. of this bias happens because people have an emotional predisposition and then they just follow that and they don't say, wow, well, I have this feeling that's really strong and that means that I should be especially careful to check any belief that comes along with it and to protect myself actively against confirmation bias. Um, yes. which is something that I think is missing from, uh, and, and that's why all, like, Ed couldn't identify one single media outlet that he doesn't think is biased. It's probably do you, do you have one? Do you have one, by the way? Do you know of one? The objective standard. Okay, there you go. But we're, they're not reporting news on a daily basis. I mean, we want a yeah. news source that we can go to on a daily We need to start one, apparently. We need to start a huge I was going to like put some profanity in there. Uh, infrastructure, <laughs> huge blank infrastructure with you know <laughs> news outlet, and um, let's go. I mean, it, it, somebody it would be great if if somebody actually did that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but, but, but you agree. You know, really if, if it's if, if it's really true that on a large scale people are deliberately falsifying reports about events that occur in the world, we are in huge trouble. Yeah. I don't think that's on a large scale true that people are doing that. I think that just talking to people who are leftists, you know, 
in other settings like at work or or networking or whatever mm-hmm. my experience is that they're very very emotionally driven and but that they don't see themselves as being deceptive or dishonest at least the ones that I've interacted with so mm-hmm. um that's my two cents you know I've got to go in a couple minutes do you have any parting thought cuz I I really have to try to run through some of this stuff and tell people what I'm thinking of on these program notes there probably isn't time, so maybe next time. Okay, do. Call in next week. We're going to talk about this fake news topic again. So thanks for okay. calling in, Debbie, and, and um, sorry I didn't get to you sooner. So, yeah, over at the blog, don'tletitgo.com, what have I got here? Ah, um, NSA is going to use its data routinely for domestic policing. That is a huge problem. And, you know, in other shows I've warned, you know, about, I've said what the solution is to this. I'm not going to do it here. Uh, Unprecedented secrecy on refugee deal. This is a big problem as well. You can check out that article. John Allison uh, reporting on Trump. And he does say that Trump does plan to do a lot of deficit spending up front. And that's a kind of scary. Check out that article. Uh, House GOP signals break with Trump over tariff threat. My message is. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, Trump's election stole my desire to look for a partner. Ha, ha, ha. Get a good laugh there. It's definitely onion-worthy stuff. Victory for Teckles. Is that how you pronounce it? In the Battle of Butter. Butter is vindicated. And a pro-butter article has not been scratched from a scientific journal despite pressure from pro-government sources, which I think is awesome. The United States is not an apocalyptic wasteland. Steven Pinker reports, even though Trump has been telling you it's horrible, things are actually pretty darn good. And then finally, really awesome news, Amazon launched a cashier-free convenience store. So take that minimum wage and also just take that in terms of convenience and ease of shopping. Leave, Leave Amazon to innovate. Anyway, I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Take care.